Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hi, Mayor. Hi, Jen. How are you today? I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm actually really excited to hear who you interviewed today. Oh, I'm great because I interviewed Lisa Vallant. Lisa is a caregiver. Um, She's a working caregiver, so she's been juggling um, a career while she's um, been caring for her husband, and she recently made a shift in her career that we talk about. We also talk about the, the company that she's working for now. What's the name of the company? It's Second.md, Second.md. And so we're going to hear about what the company is about in the interview? We're going to hear all about it, um, how even listeners could benefit from Second.md or a service similar to it, what maybe employers might be interested in offering it. And it's not a commercial by any means. We're talking to Lisa about her experience changing jobs as a career um, and other challenges that she's met during her time uh, with these dual roles, right? So um, working and caregiving is such a challenge. I know it is for me. Um, It always has been for you for how many years have you been caregiving, Mayor? Going on 26 this year. And, you know, a lot of people when they're in their career, 25, 26 years, they're getting ready to retire. And as caregivers, you know, many of us will never retire from that role. That's right. That's right. That's a good point. Okay. Well, I'm ready. Let's All right. Let's take a listen. <laughs> it is afternoon. We are um, reporting a podcast in two different time zones. Yeah. Fun times. I'm excited to have you join us. Oh, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited to join you. So you have been um, a listener. I know you've listened to our sister podcast, Sarcasm Sisters, but you've also listened to This Caregiver Life, and we asked you to come on because you're a caregiver. (laughs) Indeed. One of the first ones that I met, uh, actually, one of the first military and veteran caregivers that I ever met, but also you have a unique new job with a unique company and I wanted you to be able to talk about both things today oh cool all right I would love to so first why don't you tell our listeners who you are oh that's a loaded question right (laughs) (laughs) I guess for me it's loaded individually because you know I don't always like to be that woman that defines herself by who is around me and what I do but that's the easiest way to figure out who we are or, or describe who we are to other people is sort of what they can see around us, right? Yes. It's, you know, it's kind of the whole wife, mother, caregiver kind of thing. Um, I do try to maintain some of my own interests outside of those privileges and responsibilities. But um, I've been working in the veteran field for gosh, like six or seven years now, um, but did get to recently make a change over to like a completely civilian job working with only just a handful of veterans that 
um, they don't lead with their veteran status when we interact. And so uh-huh. I just sort of know that they're veterans, but it's a, it's a totally different um, atmosphere. And, and it's, it's kind of fun to re-enter that part of my background and, and be interacting with a more diverse group of people, which is kind of a funny thing to say, because what group of people could be more diverse than veterans? Right? Than veterans, right. <laughs> well, you know, one, I recently spoke at a national summit on caregiver employment. And one of the things that I talked about was the need for civilian entities, whether it be nonprofit corporations, small family businesses, but for um, employers at large to integrate military and veteran caregivers into their workforce to, and not just military and veteran caregivers, but caregivers in general, because we have an affinity with one another. We all have to take phone calls about our care recipients, medical care, or maybe we have to contact that person that's covering for us while we work. Um, Maybe we have to take days off to go to someone else's doctor's appointments. And so um, I think it's wonderful when caregivers can get out of that realm and out of that little village they live in and move into a new one. So even though I miss you in the veteran and military space because you've been supporting veterans and caregivers for many years. Um, I'm excited for you to have a new opportunity and I'm hoping that you wouldn't mind telling us what the company is. So I am working for a company that I wish had been around 10 years ago. The company is like seven or eight years old now. We're just kind of getting going, but the company is called second MD and they are an expert medical second opinion company that leverages a secure video platform to provide an expert medical second opinion with like world class level experts in pretty much every discipline you could possibly think of related to healthcare. So, you know, oncology and musculoskeletal are obviously two very high demand areas, but it ranges everywhere from mental health to dental to pediatrics to everything, they are able to provide people with the ability to get that second opinion in a way that doesn't require they travel across country. So it's a remote second opinion. I went to my doctor, my specialist, maybe even, uh, maybe even the VA and I need for my own peace of mind, but also to answer my questions, um, uh, I need a second opinion. Maybe the treatment is really risky or it's super invasive or the recovery time they've told me is lengthy. And so I'm not bought in a hundred percent. I want a second opinion. Is, is that what this is? That's what this is. Now wow. the catch is right now, most people who have access to the service, it, it started out in an interesting way. So they started out with a self-pay model where you just go and you pay your way through it. And I, I think for us, a self-pay thing, it's like 3000 bucks. Um, so which, you know, I have certainly been in places in my life where $3,000 might as well have been $30 million for my ability to pay that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I do get that. Um, but we've also begun over the past several years working directly with healthcare plans and employers so that they can offer those services free of charge to their members. So it's really worth something to look at um, 
That's kind of like an EAP offering, isn't it? An, an employee it, assistance program? In fact, I was at a health fair this week, and one of the best contacts I made was the EAP uh, representative for that organization. And we got to talking, and she said we're one of her number one referrals that she makes when somebody calls in for assistance. It's now, we of- have a lot of employers and decision makers that listen to this podcast. They're all interested in this caregiver life because over 40 million Americans are caregivers. It's kind of a staggering number. But um, so many of them are in the workforce that human resources and leadership, um, they need to know how to make life easier for them. And this sounds like it would do it. Um, I think some people hear second opinion and they think, I don't want my doctor to find out. I don't want if I go with my primary care doctor or the first doctor that I saw for this um, procedure, I don't want there to, I don't want it to be upsetting to them. I don't want them to be angry at me that I doubted them. Um, How do physicians look at this? That is a really great question. And actually that was one of my first questions in my first day or two on the job. And I, I will admit having lived most of my life in metropolitan areas, it never occurred to me that I could ever have a relationship with my primary care physician that I would worry about their opinion if I went and got a second opinion. You know, that that was not something that had occurred to me. So when that was a question that came up during our first couple of days, um, I asked more detailed questions. And I think what it boils down to is... (sighs) Doctors are human beings. Some of them have ginormous egos that you are never going to overcome. Mm -hmm. And some are very, very willing to say, you know what, you know, you have a situation going on here. I think I know how to treat you, but I'm not the expert. Let's take a look at what this guy's got to say. And, you know, there has been a mix of different responses. Doctors love it and feel supported that they can give their patients the absolute best quality care. And this has been confirmed by somebody who's, you know, written peer reviewed papers on the subject. Mm. And the doctors say, I'm not interested in the second opinion. This is what's authorized. And, you know, that's something that we as patients and potential patients have to navigate with the individuals providing our care. I think that's such a good point. But as caregivers, we tend to think more touchy-feely, right? So I think about um, the interaction at the medical facility, the post-op or post-procedure challenges, the recovery time. But the the provider themselves, they're typically nuts and bolts, right? Like they went to medical school because they're the people wired for that. And they're like a quarterback on a Super Bowl team. You know, they're there to win. And they don't necessarily think about the same things that we think about. And so I really like the idea of getting a second opinion. It's something that I have done with my brother, my care recipient, um, a couple of times. It was really hard for me. It took a ton of paperwork. I had to, we had to actually delay a procedure because we were waiting for the appointment to get the second opinion. And that took forever. Um, How long does this take? So Second MD has been able to make massive inroads into simplifying the records collection process. 
And typically with a civilian record collection system, and I'm, I'm saying it that way on purpose, <laughs> we are usually able to gather those records in two to five business days, um, which is incredibly fast. Now, I do have a friend who has used our service and the massive amount of records did need to come from the VA. And unfortunately, they did have a very different scenario um, for the speed of records collection. It was not the simple three to five day um, type of business situation that we would like. Well, that is unfortunate. It's a reason that so many people work in the veteran space, you and myself included, because we want to be part of changing that and yeah, you know, it's it's always sad when I hear that, but I but it makes me hopeful that things will change and more people that know that there are those kind of roadblocks, the more people that can ask that that be changed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there are things that it would appear the VA is working on putting in place for its members and hopefully someday those things will be active and effective in doing all of the things that they're intended to do and we'll hopefully find those experiences to be benefited by them right yeah right I mean that's all we can all we can do is raise the flag that there's an issue keep raising it until somebody takes a look at it collectively our voices are loud I do know that Um, we're gonna pause really quick um, so we can play a word from our sponsor nice Okay, we're back. Um, we're speaking with my friend, Lisa, actually. Um, and we've been talking a lot about Second MD because um, Lisa is a, a caregiver and she has been for m- many years now, um, but she's also um, an employee. She's a professional in the workforce and she has worked really hard to arrange her, her life, her caregiving life and her family life so that she can um, have a successful career. And Lisa, I just wanted to ask you, like, What kind of tips can you give someone who's been caregiving and they're ready to go back to the workforce, but they're so concerned that they won't, they won't be successful because of the demands on their time at home? You know, for me, and, and let's start with every situation is different. And so I, I want to acknowledge right up front that what has worked for me may work beautifully for many other caregivers and there may be other caregivers facing situations that are just not the same level of of being overcome as the situations that I was able to overcome with that. I know in my home one of the hardest things to overcome was actually emotional in nature and was not logistical in nature. It was accepting that our family was going to flip-flop, if you will, from the traditional roles that we had entered into our marriage with. Hmm. And that was a tremendous challenge and continued to be a tremendous challenge for a good several years. Um, it, it it, It became less of a challenge as I worked together with my husband, who is my care recipient, to help him get engaged with things of interest for himself. And for our family, you know, we had many, many tries at figuring out what that thing would be. And we finally found something that has helped him to re-engage with the community on a different level and to have some responsibility and accountability to other people as part of a team. Though hmm. so it's not employment, it's given a new sense of purpose. So I think it's really important that the care recipient is 
is is encouraged to continue to explore areas of interest to whatever degree is possible. And I realize, you know, everybody's situation is different, but that was really important in our family coming to terms with that I was going to essentially be the quote unquote breadwinner as the wife and mother of the family. Mm-hmm. And that my husband was going to be, you know, when we're talking to people that we just don't want to explain a lot to, he's the stay at home dad, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, we, you know, being a stay at home parent, or even if you don't have children, being the adult member of the household that manages the home or is at, is at the home for deliveries, for repairmen, for pets, for mm-hmm. all, you know, all the things that we do um, for daily life, that's a huge job. It is, right? And we've talked a lot about acknowledging the work that is put into that. You know, even with uh, my husband's disabilities and um, the the ways that that impacts his uh, his ability to do what I would call good housekeeping, for example. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much he actually can and will do on behalf of the family that fall into just sort of general well-being for the family, right? And this was most well demonstrated at a time that he had broken his hand. Oh. And you know, I had been really stressed out at work. At the time, I was completing some courses for school so I could finally have my degree, which took me 27 years, by the way. <laughs> um, there, there, I was really stressed out and was not happy at all with the condition of our home. And then he broke his hand. <sighs> and after about three weeks into him not being able to use this hand, I looked around my house and said, wow, I didn't realize how much you were doing for us. I am sorry. I, <laughs> give an apology when an apology is due, right? I yes. Think it's really important. And I, I think so often, if I can sort of loop that little thought back around as caregivers, you know, in some of the communities in which we exist, we may see sometimes a lack of, of acknowledgement for what our care recipient actually does contribute to our homes and to our lives and to our relationships. And I think it's so important that despite any imbalances that may exist in our relationships, that we know and acknowledge when it's on us to be the one to apologize, right? Amen. And I, I, and I also want to say we have some listeners who care for someone that's catastrophically disabled, but that person still does their part by fighting every day to be as healthy as they can be. Yep. Even if it's, you know, the flutter of an eyelid or the, you know, the crinkle of their mouth and a smile. I mean, there are little things that all of our care recipients, no matter their ability are doing. I think my, um, my brother, since I went back to work full time four years ago, um, he had come to rely on me immensely and he still does but the thing that's worked for us is that um, we communicate many many times a day when I'm not with him using lots of different platforms whatever is at hand whether it be FaceTime if we can't FaceTime um, we text voice record all kinds of of different technology has assisted us but um, I found the same thing is that when 
when he has tasks to execute, even if they're things that I could easily do in 15 minutes, um, it's on his to-do list because that's how he contributes. Mm-hmm. And yep. the more that, the more time that we've spent um, with me working and him taking on more responsibilities in his activities of daily living, the more progress that he's made. And it's not, you know, it's not um, things that you would maybe see or that are even something that you would look back and say, man, that was huge. But over time, you see the results. That's so true. Yeah. And, and it could be little things, um, making a phone call or ordering something online that I don't have time to find the best price for, or, you know, he can do that during the day and then he feels accomplished. He feels like he's contributing and that's really, really important. Um, as a outsider now, what mm-hmm. advice do you have to organizations, um, that are working with veterans and caregivers, how can they help us transition into civilian employment, into structuring our, our lives away from uh, being recipients of those, those veteran programs and services? You know, I think that unless the scope of work requires strict timelines, having a flexible schedule is one of the best ways that a caregiver can be supported. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't matter, if that email is answered at 4 p.m. or 4 a.m. or 2 p.m. or 2 a.m., offering that flexibility can make a huge difference in both the productivity of the caregiver that you have employed and their job satisfaction. You probably would be my guess, and I, I don't have a study to reference or anything like this, but I would guess you would also see a significant drop in absenteeism and less... Although, you know, there's there's good reasons for FMLA to be in place and we want everybody to use that as needed and as necessary, there may be fewer claims on that as well when the caregiver is supported with a flexible schedule. Mm-hmm. And one of the best ways that I think that can be accommodated is with something that my, rec- uh, my current employer is doing. They have an unlimited PTO policy. And I've done a little study on that. Wow. That in general most employees will actually take less time off when their uh, employer has offered unlimited PTO because we sort of fear um, being that person, right? Who, who took more than their fair share of time off. But um, I've been fortunate to find an organization who's very serious about work-life balance and really genuinely seems to appear to, um, encourage employees to take the necessary time off. Um, Now, whether that should be a standard across the board, I don't know yet. I haven't been employed in that kind of a scenario for long enough to know um, (laughs) to what great benefit that could be. But, but that really that flexible work schedule, I think is one of the best ways to support the happiness and job stability and ability to meet deadlines is by being flexible with the work hours, those day-to-day Monday through Friday work hours. I, I kind of agree with you. I think if you're not um, working at a window and interacting with customers or, I mean, if certainly if you're in retail or you work in a healthcare setting, then their fixed hours are fixed hours. Right. But so much of the rest of our 
um, employment in this country really can be flexible. So um, that's a big, a big banner to any employer listening who wants to attract, retain, and support their caregivers, whether they care for a veteran or they care for a child with special needs or an elderly parent. Um, flexibility is just the absolute key. Um, I also want to just say what a role model you have been for me over the past um, almost 10 years now since I met you. Seems It's like been a while, hasn't it? Crazy to say that, but you were the first um, caregiver that I knew in our, in our shared community of, you know, post 9-11 caregivers who was really out there like, I'm going to go to work full time and it's going to be tough, but I'm going to make it work. And then you, you went back to school and, you know, yeah. you mentioned that it took 27 years, but you, you went back to school and, um, I, you know, I did the same thing and I didn't matter that I graduated college in my forties. It mattered that I graduated. And yep. then you started doing crazy things like taking up jujitsu and actually <laughs> like practicing self-care. I did it. It's true. You would log off of social media and say, I'm not going to be on here for the entire weekend. And you actually wouldn't be. And there's a lot that we can take away from that. Um, so I want to thank you for being that herald to other caregivers that we can make changes in our lives. They may be small, they may take time, but the, taking care of ourselves really is the most important thing. It has been um, something that's been really on my mind this week, actually, that as I had spent the last many years encouraging others to practice good self-care and doing my best to practice good self-care with the time that I had left, I have to admit that making a change in my employment has increased my capacity to practice better self-care. And I think it's really scary to look at our lives and especially if we've established any kind of stability to say, is there something that can be better? And to ask ourselves that question. And it's, I just want to encourage people that if there is any chance that you can be doing something better to go for it. Well, and, and it isn't that you don't still love, the organization you used to work for and it isn't that you don't still love veterans and their caregivers it's that you your brain needed to go in a new direction and yeah um that's kind of where my brain was when I went back to work I you know and who knows five years from now I'm I may be doing something completely different than than working in the veteran space um and I will say that producing podcasts with Mary has um has kind of made my brain think differently, used a different part of my brain. And that's always so good for us when we've been, you know, stagnant or we've been in a holding pattern. Caregivers can do that better than anybody, right? Like we get so good at maintaining that we stop challenging ourselves because we don't want to rock the boat. (laughs) Right. Because we enjoy safety and security. That's right. I mean, First of all, I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, my son used to call me the safety police. And um, in fact, when he was a little kid, I I bought him this. Uh, it, it, I didn't think of it as in a video game. Then I called it a computer game. And it was called um, Safety Scavenger Hunt. <laughs> and you would actually, the, the child would go on this very simple computer program. Um, and you, and it would identify 
things that were unsafe, like a knife laying on a table or the stove being on. And then they, <laughs> then they would get to the next level. That was the first <laughs> video game that my son had. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. So um, I think it's inherent. Um, caregivers yeah. are so, so risk averse. But when, but you have shown that we can take risks. You took a big, you know, you took a big step off a high cliff. You sound great. Um, and you have some, you're working in a space that really needs to grow. I hope anybody that's listening, that's interested in the second opinion industry will look at 2nd.md. So second.md, which is their website. Did I get that correct? You did. And just to learn more about it and, and maybe your organization is open to, to offering something like this. You know, we were, we're going to have a benefit selection pretty soon. We're entering the fourth quarter and a lot of organizations do that at the end of the year. So why not yeah. ask your employer if they would consider something like this? I'm going to, and um, also just in general, be open to second ideas, second careers, um, second chances at getting your college degree. I think we've got a kind of a theme today. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> Well, do you have anything to add or anything you'd like to promote? I'm sorry. One more time. (laughs) Do you have anything you'd like to add or anything you'd like to promote to our listeners? No, I just want to say thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to come and share what I've been up to. It's been super fun to catch up and kind of talk about some shared philosophies that we have. And I, I need to tell you that I too have been accused of being the safety police. <laughs> it started in the fourth grade with the safety patrol. Oh, good start. <laughs> really good start. <laughs> and my usual goodbye to people is have fun, be safe. So oh. you know. <laughs> I'm going to write that probably down as like, um, you know, we have, we, Mary and I have been keeping a list that uh, rules that caregivers live by. Yes. Uh, I, I think be safe is definitely on the list of rules that caregivers live by. Yep. I think you're right. Oh. Well, thanks for joining us and, uh, and being part of, of this caregiver life. Uh, you've been living it and you've helped so many people. I, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. And um, if you, if someone listening would like to be on the show, it's as easy as emailing us this caregiver life at gmail.com. And of course we're on all the social media platforms. We'd love to interact with you, especially on our Facebook page. And until next time, blue skies and green lights, everybody. So Mayor, what did you think about my interview with Lisa? I loved it. I thank her so much for coming on and sharing some of her story and um, especially some of her um, wise words that she has for caregivers and uh, about her new profession. I love, I don't even know her and I can hear that this has been such a great experience for her. So much growth. What really struck me was that Lisa spent um, the last seven, eight years of her career uh, working in support of caregivers and uh, wounded veterans. And she's out of that role now. She's working in the, the civilian industry, second MD, and yet she still wants to give back to other caregivers like her. She does. It's a, you can't really ever let that go, I don't think. And 
I only for a very short period of time did I work in the military veteran slash caregiver space a few months last year. And most of my profession has been outside of that field. And so, and I do think there's a lot of growth for people not being in, in the field that they're living in their personal life. It's kind of a nice change, really. Yeah. Well, I'm so honored to be her friend and that she came on the show with us and really want to invite anybody who either has questions about their caregiving life, about what we're doing on this caregiver life, um, or has a challenge that they're not able to meet. If you'd like to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, yes. Please send us a voicemail message, an anchor. What is it? Anchor.fm? Yep. Anchor.fm slash this caregiver life. Or at our email, this caregiver life at gmail.com or on our Facebook page, this caregiver life. Which also want, we're also on Twitter and Instagram. So we're, we're pretty easy. Yeah, we're everywhere. <laughs> we're pretty easy to find. But I did want to point out uh, something that Lisa said that I, I think is a, a really good takeaway for people. Everybody's situation is different. So although Lisa took many years to go finish school, maybe that's not somebody else's situation. Maybe they don't want to go to college. Maybe they want to go right into the workforce. Whatever your situation is, you know best. And uh, to keep moving forward is, I think, really what she's saying. Don't compare, um, but keep moving forward. I absolutely love that. Everyone's situation is different, but together we make a difference for one another. So thanks for listening today and being part of this caregiver life. And we hope to hear from you soon. Until next time.